sweat the technique. Razor Blood Commentary, delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees here at ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George here for Jeremy Branham alongside Joel Blank. So the Texans have had their last three days of practice, and C.J. Stroud has been out there with the ones the entire time. They officially announced that on Thursday night's first preseason game, C.J. Stroud will start. They have not named officially QB1 for the entire 2023 season, but I think it's over. Well, I mean, we've said this all along. It doesn't matter when. It, it's just it's not an if. It's going to happen. And to me, the bigger thing is to make sure that he's ready when you do make him the starter, the full-time starter. And until then, there's nothing wrong with, especially in the preseason, letting other guys take reps and take hits because of the hit you took this weekend that might put some things in a little less of a stellar light for you and your exuberance to get the right guy out there as a starter. Let's wait till opening night, and then and also let's make sure we make the right call at the right time because you don't want him getting his head ripped off. C.J. Stroud is your starter. It doesn't matter if he starts in the preseason or not, and he will in this game. He will be your starter in week one, and he should be, and he's your future franchise quarterback. He deserves every opportunity just like you gave Davis Mills last year, but you're doing it with a a higher regard for the quarterback as being the guy that can be the guy. Yeah, and look, we talked about this extensively, but he's just gonna he's gonna learn more. He's he's going to learn more on the job than he is off the field. Because this isn't, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. This isn't even last year, you know, we talked about Brock Purdy a little bit having twelve games last year to learn the office in San Francisco. Well he his the plan was never for him to play. You went into last season with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Like, that was it. That's your quarterback competition done over. And then Brock Purdy emerges after injuries and plays great. This is not Green Bay with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers or Dak Prescott with Tony Romo. Like, this is just not that situation. Montana and Steve Young? No. Exactly. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just, it's just not that. He has to play to – he has to fail. Like, failure is a good thing. People – like, that might sound weird to some people, but C.J. Stroud, the more he fails, the better off he is. Yeah, I just, there's so many ways to look at this. I don't mind him getting on-the-job training and struggling. I do mind him doing on-the-job training and getting pounded. You know, I, I just, I don't want him taking undue punishment that he, does, that he doesn't deserve because we've seen it and been through it with David Carr, right? I mean, that's what I want to avoid. And I think that's what the Texans wanted to avoid. And I think that's why they did all the things they did to try and solidify their line. Now, if I was to anticipate where there might be a breakdown and letdown in the offensive line that might hurt him, I'm looking at Kenyon Green and I'm looking at Juice Scruggs. I'm not expecting it to be Titus Howard. Well, the problem is, is Titus Howard is not your right tackle anymore. George Fant is going to be the starting right tackle for the Houston Texans for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. because Titus Howard is in a cast today. D'Amico Ryan says that Titus hurt his hurt his hand. Reports are from I think Tom Pelissero and Ian Rapport that it's broken, and you know it is. That's not great. You've now lost no. Questenberry. You've lost Titus Howard for the foreseeable future. Hopefully, it's not the entire season. But now you're going to before the season it was it was Tunsil, Green, Questenberry or Scruggs. If Scruggs played right. well enough, he'd be the center. You know, Shaq Mason and Titus Howard. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're for sure starting Juice Krugs at center. 
and your right tackle is going to be George Fant because Charlie Heck is hurt too. So, like, you don't even have a guy who's been, like, a solid swing tackle for you for the last two years since you took him out of North Carolina, and and, and now you're with this other guy who signed off the street. Like, it's just kind of it's kind of just where you're at. It's a bummer. Like, it, it's a it, huge it's bummer. It's a blow. It's, it's not something that you wanted, needed, or expected when you were looking at how they really tried to reconstruct and solidify this offensive line. And it's something that you're going to have to monitor very closely because, I mean, thank God it's not the left tackle spot because then you're really putting your quarterback in danger. But you do want to avoid what I described in terms of first year, you're already expecting that he's going to take his lumps and that you know the track record says that most first-year starting rookie quarterbacks don't succeed and a lot goes wrong. That's fine if you make mistakes. It's fine if you throw picks and you're trying to work things out. It's not so fine if you take hits that become career-threatening kinds of injuries and also the mental side of it like we saw with Carr that I, I hope they try and avoid. I that's think, why I think they're going to be the fine. only reason, though, Joe, that, excuse me, that, but that's the only reason why you don't rush him in to be the starter if you have too many uncertainties on the line. I don't, you know, I, I think they're going to be okay without Titus to avoid that part of the issue. So DJ Bienemy, uh Saturday um, was tweeting out as they were going through like this live practice that they had, the scrimmage that they had. And one thing that he's been tweeting constantly and tracking is how basically every single time CJ is throwing the ball, all of his throws have been three seconds or less. So they're getting the ball out super fast. And that to me is the first line uh, of where there's a big difference between David Carr, Deshaun Watson, and CJ Stroud. What was Deshaun Watson's biggest flaw as a quarterback for the Houston Texans? He took too many unnecessary he, sacks. He held on to the ball too long. He extended plays yeah. too long, and then he took too many unnecessary hits. And it was all his fault for the most part. Like Even though the offensive line wasn't good, Deshaun never did himself any advantage. He was always a disadvantage the way he played the quarterback position because he wanted the big chunk play. He didn't want to take the easy stuff. He couldn't find the easy stuff where C.J. Stroud all the reports are to camp is that they're getting the ball, bing, bang, boom, out of there. That's the first thing you can do to counteract what you're talking about, Joel, of of losing these guys and protecting your quarterback. Yeah, no, and you're right. I think that that's smart by Slowick in the offensive minds that are coaching this football team, and I'm not sure that they would have gotten the same kind of coaching in years past. That That's a, a coaching group that understands the importance of not only keeping C.J. Stroud upright, but keeping him both mentally and physically, to, to to your point earlier, in the right frame of mind and and, and of well being and and sound mind and body to be able to learn, to be able to pick things up, to be able to get on the job, hands on training. Sure, you have to be accounted for by being on the field and doing the things we want to see him do, and you want to avoid the mistakes of the past this organization has made when it comes to quarterbacks. So. It's something that they got to keep an eye on as much as I, I, I like the fact that they're getting closer to it but without making it official that, you know, starting in the first preseason game basically is the precursor to telling the world he's our starter week one. But you also want to monitor that because of the offensive line and make sure that you're not rushing him in, even if he maybe looks ready, when you know that he might put him in a very compromised position with the kind of protection he's getting. So, cause so even if he gets three seconds or less, he might have guys all over him. You're right, but to me, it's just, it's just the world that we live in. Like it's you have two options. You either play him and you put him in a, a compromised position potentially some of the times, or you don't play football because 
if you're if if the plan is to wait for everything to be perfect, then you're going to wait for Titus Howard to get back, but then someone else is going to get hurt. Like it's you know to be successful in the NFL, like you have to overcome these obstacles and figure out. I mean, look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is probably the best example. As much of a joke the Texans franchise are right now, they're in the same exact position that Cincinnati Bengals are or were when Joe Burrow was drafted. Yes, they had T. Higgins already, but besides that, like what did they have? They had bad ownership. They had a bad defense. They had a joke of an offensive line that cost Joe Burrow his rookie season or most of it. And Joe Burrow has had to adapt. You know, Patrick Mahomes, they've had different pieces in offensive line consistently changing out, letting guys go, and just not worried about, you know, our quarterback can fix our problems. And that's what C.J. Stroud has to learn how to do. Like, yeah, he has to see these obstacles and he has to overcome them. Here's the bad example that you bring up when you bring up Burrow. Because you know in the first year. They got hurt. Yeah, he got crushed. And, yeah. and there was a lot of people that thought that might be career-altering. Yeah, you're right. But, like, I don't also, want to take that risk with C.J. Stroud. But then, but how do you not take it? Well, I think like, do that, you wait till next year so, in theory, the offensive line's better? Well, I don't think he's out for the whole year, for one. And I've seen offensive linemen play with that kind of big ball cast on. Yeah, that, where... Uh, you could see that at some point. Yeah, I you think. can't hold, but you can, you know, you have enough skill that you can put your big body out there and be a better blocker than the guys behind you. To where I don't think it's going to be season-ending. So I don't think that it's something that you can't put C.J. Stroud out there at the right time. But until the situation looks like it gives him the best chance to succeed line-wise, sure. I'm going to I'm gonna caution every... El- so like, let me ask you a quick... Like, if Titus Howard were missed seven weeks, and then Laramie Tunsil will get hurt in week six, would you just continue not playing C.J.? It depends on how C.J.'s playing, uh, for one. And if the three seconds and getting it out of his hand quickly is still working... yeah then that's one thing. But if there's breakdowns with communication and being able to you know, slide over and help guys when certain rushes and certain audibles and blitz packages come in, I, I'm definitely rethinking the decision of how often I'm going to put him out there, especially since I don't expect this team to win all that much anywhere to where wins are going to be important. My bigger concern is keeping that dude right for the long term. Yeah, but I, I just, it's always going to be a problem. Like it's, it's even if it's, you know, even if you wait he gets now, more experience, it's not always going to be a but problem. But how is he going to get more experience if he's not playing? I mean, there's plenty of reps in practice when you can't touch him. And, again, it, you monitor the situation. If you are truly running that Shanahan-type offense where the ball is out of his hands quickly, yeah. where there's guys in motion, where there's enough to keep the defense occupied to where they can't just pin their ears back and crush him, should be out there. But if he starts taking some blows early, especially if you just – kind of barely escape what looked like something that could be serious. I don't want him out there in that situation because this season isn't as as important as keeping that dude right for the long haul. I, I hear what you're saying, but to me, like that, those questions are always going to be there. So like, he's got to learn somehow to play with a bad offensive line. Like it's not always going to be perfect. So like I get it, but the, you say that the, the, those questions are always going to be there, but they can, they could be less of a question when you have above-average NFL offensive linemen blocking for you, when you have a better receiver room, when you have you know all the options in front of him, yeah. you're setting him up to almost fail if you put him out there healthy with an offensive line that can change that in a heartbeat. Yeah, you definitely are. Like The, the Texans are not setting C.J. Stroud up for the most success that he can have, but that's just... If you're not, if you're not the Kansas City Chiefs, or the Green Bay Packers, or the Dallas Cowboys, like with you know Mahomes, Prescott, and Aaron Rodgers, like that's always what these guys are into. So, like in a perfect world, so I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to take a guess here. 
if you had your way, you would not play rookie quarterbacks that are drafted high. Because all rookie no. quarterbacks are in the no. same situation. No, no. I, I think, again, I think there's a, there's scenarios where you where I'm fine playing a rookie quarterback. I mean, the Niners situation is an anomaly. You don't expect to have... Yeah, I almost don't count those. Yeah, because you have like a like, Super Bowl caliber roster. Like, I, like top 10 picks are always on jokes of rosters. But when you look at what Aikman had to endure his first year, when he and he got crushed, I, I referenced Carr. You know, a lot of the guys when you bring them in and you know the rest of the roster is kind of unstable. That's where I'm concerned about it. If sure. you bring them into a a team, which obviously most teams that are drafting and having their opportunity to get a player of your caliber, yeah, they just, they're not in that position. They're not there, but they haven't. You know, they have position groups that are good. So if your if your offensive line is good or your receiving group is good. Now, especially, it's one or the other. If your line isn't good like Cincinnati, but you had you had skill position players that could play, if you're getting the ball out within three seconds or less and the quarterback's following the game plan like Deshaun didn't do, then I'm, then I'm more okay with it. Because I know you're right. He does have to get game reps and get game speed and learn on the fly, making mistakes and having things work out. I just don't want to put him in a situation where it can it, he can put his health at risk. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I get it. I just... When I look at what's going to happen this season, his health's going to be at risk, and that's part of learning to play the quarterback position in the NFL. Like he has to, especially for a guy like CJ. You know, CJ has talked about how he didn't run much because he didn't have to. You don't have to run when you're playing Rutgers and Northwestern. You have to run when you're playing Georgia because for the first time you're playing competition that's guarding Marvin Harrison Jr. effectively. You know, a, a team that has NFL talent on the other side of the ball. You're not playing Illinois. Like, you're, you're playing real competition for the first time. He's Joel Blank. I am Joe George. What does the fallout from Titus Howard mean, uh, being hurt, mean for the Houston Texans? We hit on that next year. we got Mailbag Monday coming up in 15 minutes. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. If you want in, you have to audition. Hi, I'm Kerry Dubeck, and I'm reading for the role of man at party who smells fart. Razor Blunt Commentary, delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's Joe and Joel today. Jeremy should be back tomorrow on the show. Uh, Todd, the show here on Twitch says, Joe George is trying to be optimistic about Ohio State quarterbacks. Yep. Why in the world would you do that? Well, here's the thing. I think Todd and others who think CJ is just going to suck because he went to Ohio State, are I don't I don't I just don't I don't agree with that philosophy. I I get it, Dwayne Haskins, you know, I guess Troy Smith. If you want to put him in that category, Cardell Jones wasn't any good. Like Ohio State quarterbacks, What's the guy that they turned into a receiver here, Braxton Miller. Miller, yeah. like Ohio State quarterbacks haven't panned out. I totally get it, but if that's your only reason for why you think C.J. Stroud is going to be a failure, I have a simple question for you. What did you want to wait for? Because if you want to use that Ohio State argument, you can't just use it for Ohio State. Because name me the last good starting quarterback that came from USC. It's Carson Palmer. Matt Leiner, bust. Sam Darnold, bust. Most yeah. USC quarterbacks are a bust. You want to wait for Quinn Ewers? I think there's a kid from SC Texas coming sucks. out next year okay, that might cool. be pretty good. From North Carolina? No, Caleb Williams. Yeah, but the thing is, is like... If C.J. Stroud is, like, if your main thing is, like, you don't like Ohio State quarterbacks, and that's, like, now I get it. That's not Well, then you'd have to go to mail guy. 
if it just you can't and go use, to Will Levis just to make Jeremy and, happy. And I'm not even saying like Todd is saying this, but like there are a lot of people that believe that like the reason why CJ Stroud is going to be a failure is because Ohio State quarterbacks fail. And the thing is, so do USC quarterbacks, so do North Carolina, Alabama like, for the most part. Like exactly, like Alabama's on a hot streak. I just think it's a flawed way to look at it. The last, uh, um, you, you can't count Jalen Hurts. For the most part, I don't I mean, really he was, know what category he falls into. Right, but other than that, when you look at all the different guys at Alabama that got to the NFL and didn't do anything, and we're still trying to find out what Tua is. Yeah, Tua, Mac Jones, like it looks better now. Bryce it's getting Young. a little better, sure, but it's not stellar. Yeah, but I don't. I just don't think looking at a See, position from say this guy from this school. You know what the exception is? Sure, offensive linemen from Iowa are usually pretty good. I'm sorry, offensive linemen from, from Iowa Wisconsin are normally pretty good. Yeah, offensive linemen from the Big Ten, yeah. are pretty good. But but everybody to me is their own entity and their own situation. So right, so I'm judging each guy individually on their skill set and what they can and can't do. Sure, the system matters because it's getting them right. acclimated. But at the same time, if you look at a kid, no matter how bad the track record is at Ohio State, and I've always said the best quarterback to ever go to Ohio State was Joe Burrow because he also got out in time to play at a, at a school where you could capitalize on your talents. Mm-hmm. Who you're being coached by, the system you're running, it all matters. It does, but I don't. I don't think it's fair to say if you are a quarterback from this school, you're never going to succeed. Because you can say to Georgia, for all the success they've had and everything like that, Matt Stafford might be the best quarterback of all time with Stetson Bennett and and all the different guys that you know we remember that were first or second round or teetering you know picks that never panned out. But that shouldn't be on Georgia. That should be on each individual kid. Yeah, I just it's so. It, now, look, part of it with the Ohio State thing versus the other schools, it is the system. But most of the arguments for that system, the only guy you can really talk about in comparison to C.J. Stroud is Justin Fields because they play under Ryan Day. Like, the other quarterbacks were for Urban Meyer. Now, I, I know Ryan Day came up through the Urban Meyer system, but it's still two separate coaches. Now, Dwayne Haskins was overdrafted. Braxton Miller was a wide receiver his last year at Ohio State. Cardell Jones was a late was a late draft pick. Terrell Pryor was even was the Trestle era. So was Troy Smith. So I, I get most of them fail, but you just can't use that as your main argument because then, like, how can you draft Drake May? Like, you're going to hold Mitch Trubisky right. against Drake May? That's not fair to Drake May. Or the kid that's going to start for Washington this year. Yeah, like, it's, just, it's a flawed argument to say this quarterback from this school is going to fail. If C.J. Stroud fails, it's because... He can't do certain things in the NFL. It's not because he went to Ohio State. Right. I mean, I look at Wisconsin's quarterbacks over the years, and everybody rightfully could say that they've always had hot garbage at quarterback. You know how many of those quarterbacks ended up having longtime careers as backups in the NFL? Like, there's five or six guys that had 10-year NFL careers that you never could have predicted by how they played in college. Exactly. So it's unfair to tag a kid because of the college and the system that he played for. It's more fair to say... These are the individual, this is the individual, and this is the skill set and the traits he brings to the table. This is why I think he will succeed or fail. Yeah. And, and it's a case-by-case basis. And and no one thought that when Jalen Hurts came out of college, no matter where you credit him with playing and, and, and where he represented, it was more about the skill set he brought to the table and how much he could put, polish his shortcomings. He polished them, he, he perfected them, and he's become one hell of a quarterback. I don't give Oklahoma or Alabama credit for that. I give yeah. Jalen Hurts credit for that. Yeah, so it's it's not that – it's just that C.J. Stroud might not be the quarterback that the Texans fans are hoping he's going to be just if he fails just because he's coming from Ohio State 
It's just they're just not correlated. It's 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 you're right because each draft is a crapshoot, but it is its own specific set of circumstances. You looking you, you, other years you weren't looking for a quarterback, and quarterbacks were there. This year and last year you were looking for a quarterback. Last year you decided there weren't any worth taking. This year you decided that, hey, of the guys that are on the board and the urgency we have for a quarterback, we feel this guy brings enough to the table that it's, he's worth taking with the pick that we have and taking a shot. Now, does that mean that there, it's a surefire lockdown that he's going to succeed? No, but it doesn't mean because he went to Ohio State he's going to fail? Absolutely not. I do think it's going to, but now with that, to where I think there are points about the, the only part of this Ohio State thing that I would agree with and, and kind of connecting these last two segments is that the reasons why I think C.J. Stroud will struggle early on in the NFL is because that offensive system is so quarterback-friendly and the talent he had was so elite. Like, think about the guys that he's throwing to. Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah. Garrett Wilson. It's the Alabama. The Alabama-Ohio State conversation is always centered around the fact that it's Their hard guys to, are so open. It's hard to evaluate quarterbacks from those programs because... Their receivers are so elite, and there's so many of them, that they are getting unfair distances of separation between them and the nearest defender that you're just not going to get on the next level. Yeah, and just and that's and that's the that's the biggest adjustment is that it's not one read and go. You know now, but there are also major differences, and this is where sometimes the arguments flaw. Like if you go back and watch Ohio State film between C.J. Stroud versus Justin Fields, it is the same offense, but it's also very different. Justin Fields was very limited in what he could do in college in terms of reads. It was one read and run. If his first guy wasn't there, Justin Fields took off and went for it. C.J. Stroud, the reason why he didn't run as much was because he could read the field better, way better than Justin Fields can. And like that's where I, I view C.J. going into the season. He's a – I think his floor is higher than most of the quarterbacks he was drafted with this year. Like, I think at a minimum, C.J. Stroud can be an accurate passer who can move the chains a little bit at a time. Like, he can be a game manager. I don't know if C.J. Stroud can always make those big I think big the upside's higher plays. than that. But I think... No, I think the, the, I'm saying the floor yeah, the is floor, low. Yeah, and, it might even be lower than that. Like, it's a, it's a high floor. Like, he can be a solid quarterback but who this can is, move the ball. Can he be a good enough quarterback to win you Super Bowls in the AFC? That's a question that we just don't know the answer but to. But we yet. know that the numbers aren't stacked for you. They're stacked against you because of who else you're playing against and who has a chance to be in your conference to win one every year. And that is it's the Mahomes easy. and the Burrow and the Herbert. And, you know, the list is endless. There's a lot of guys. That's why we said in this conference, you can't just be drafting for a franchise quarterback that's top 15. It's got to be a guy that can compete with the top five to six guys in the league. Yeah, but that's why I was still okay with it. They, they did the quarterback thing when they did because I, I really think that the way the Texans were headed, I think the McNair family was tired of having those top picks. And if the Texans would have just not taken C.J. Stroud and just and just taken Will Anderson at two and rolled into the season with Davis Mills, I think, I think they're going to win just enough games to push them outside of the draft for next year. Like I think they would have won like five games. I think with that they would. I think I think that if they had just taken Will Anderson, we'd have the conversation about them being in line for either Drake May or Caleb Williams next year. I just I think they just would have. Won. I I I want to think you're right. Davis Mills is that bad? I, I in theory yes, but they like just enough games to where you're just going to miss your first or second pick. Like I'm not saying they're going to be good. They won three games last year with CJ. 
I mean, with Davis Mills last year, to think that they're not going to improve by one or two games, and like it's just like worst case scenario. If but they the rest of the league got better too, Joe. But other teams fall behind. Like, as, Aside from Arizona looking like they might be the absolute rock bottom of the league, I don't know that there's any clear-cut number two for worst record, and I think that had the Texans just stood pat and taken Will Anderson, they'd be right in that conversation for one of those two quarterbacks or one of those top two spots. Agreed, but their schedule was so easy that it just... I think you have to take the quarterback like they did when they had the opportunity because if you just happen to win four or five games and get lucky and you end up with the third pick, you're you're just back in that same position where you're not in that position to draft a quarterback in 2024. So that's why I think they made the right decision. Will CJ have a great year this year? I I don't know. But here's the the thing, Joe, to your point. I think that when you look at these quarterbacks too, you don't want to label anybody a game manager. But the system and the talent around you matters, right? Mahomes is who he is, one, because he's got unbelievable ability. But two, because for his first years in the league, he had an all-world tight end. Yeah, He had an unbelievable game-changer in the Cheetah. He had good supporting cast and a really good offensive line. But on that same token, you can take guys that might not have the same kind of guys around them, but it's what the system commands you demands that you be. It, there might be a system where it's more... It's Brock Purdy a year ago in the Shanahan system. You're not expected to be anything other than a game manager because there's so much talent around you. Yeah. As opposed to if you're the Jets a year ago and you're thrusting a kid into an environment where suddenly they're all expecting to win and Zach Wilson ain't ready, it could be the you're a product of the system around you and the system around you expected too much for a kid that had too much to learn. Yeah, it's, it's always quarterbacks are such a, a wild card. Uh, of what they're going to be because like no one would have thought even though the 49ers system is is so easy to learn it seems and they have so much talent no one thought Brock Purdy would go out there and be better than Trey Lance mm-hmm. like it's it's impossible like to think when you go back and look at Josh Allen versus Sam Darnold and these old arguments like there's a chance that Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are not the best quarterback from this class like but it but, could be but you also else. the other thing that you have to keep in mind is something we talked about last week is the fact that if you're Cal, Cal McNair and the Texans you're tired of everything when your name comes up being negative. And the fact that if you take your swing and miss and, and CJ doesn't pan out, but the early returns are, you did what you were supposed to do. You went and got a quarterback to take a shot that he can be the quarterback. And at the same time, you fired up your fan base. You got them excited. And now everybody's talking about you got the right coach. You took a chance on a quarterback. Yeah. You're adding young talent. And now it's all win, win, win positives about what's going on with this team as opposed to the black cloud that made me think Houston Texans Deshaun Watson, Jack Easterby, Bill O'Brien. Suck, suck, suck. I hate it. Now I'm excited to see what they can be. Yeah, I, I am absolutely As excited. an owner, that that affects the bottom line, and that's one of the reasons why you get involved. Watching the Texans this year is going to be a much more enjoyable experience, even if they don't win as many games as some are hoping that I think they potentially will this year, which is still like six or seven. It's not a lot. Uh, it, it's just going to be a much more enjoyable experience overall. All right, what questions do you have for the Killer Bee? 713-780-3776, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Mailbag Monday is next. You found ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I can feel it. I can feel it down in my plums. You're getting a nice bluish hue. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. Mommy? What's in the bag? Oh, what's in the box? 
Mailbag Monday here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 on the Killer Beast. Joe George filling in for Jeremy Branham alongside Joel Blank. Send your questions in, 713-780-3776 to the text line, or you can call in, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5 as well. Uh, Montrose Mike, who would win in a fight, Tim Anderson or Jose Bautista? Wow. I'm going to go Bautista. Just for the, the weight advantage? Yeah. Size and muscle matter. I think Tim Anderson's got a glass jaw. Well, he sure does. It looks like you get you hit him once, he's going down. Yeah, that, that was not a very good look. That's why I had to keep rewinding it. I thought it was an open hand at best. And then I looked again. I'm like, oh, maybe he just couldn't take a punch. Uh, snapback or fitted from 1970? Oh, easy fitted. Yeah, I'm a fitted guy for the most part. Because flex flex I, fit are good, too. Yeah, if I go snapback, I typically... Most snapbacks I would wear backwards. I don't um, like wearing the snapback so back, backwards. It's a bad look. I'm bald now. So you can see my baldness typically on a snapback. So I try to nine seven five hair Joe.com. Yeah. Nine seven five hair.com. Yeah, I know. I need to get to it. Um, would the Astros be interested in Gene Segura for depth? We're one Dubon injury away from seeing more Kessinger. I guess. I mean, look, I, I was a big, big proponent of the Astros, and Jeremy and I were both on board with it. I had kind of lobbied for him. That's a guy that I'd like to see on the Astros bench. That's a guy that could have filled your Diaz role at the start of the year, and then you didn't know Dubon was going to be who he was. But there's a guy that is a really good contact hitter that's hit 300 in this league. That's a steady fielder when you play him at short or at second. That could be, and if you don't, you know, it's like Trey Mancini. Get these two guys and send them to Sugar Land, and he, they could be the next versions of John Singleton. Forget about options and all this other stuff. If they have a chance to play on a playoff caliber roster and all they got to do is go down to AAA and hit the show they can hit the baseball, you're not giving up any prospects to go get them. Take a shot. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. Like, I'm not... I, I'm good with what the Astros' depth is right now for the most part. Obviously, if you lose Dubon, that stinks. I mean, Justin Verlander loses his personal center fielder. You lose your Pena and Altuve guy to give them days off. You have Bly Madris, you have David Hensley. Ooh. Like I, those are bad Ooh. options, but I don't know how much worse options they are. Those are than like Segura. Yeah, I mean, again, if it's if it's no risk, but there's a chance for reward. Sure, I'm fine kicking the tires. I, I I just don't need them giving up prospects and things to go get guys. Now that we're past the trade deadline, if there are guys floating out there and you want to give them a, a look, see, go get them. Uh, I, there's I, there's just a lot of randomness in the Twitch chat uh, about this f- the fight this weekend. But did you waste your time watching uh, Nick Diaz versus one of the Paul brothers? I, I Nate saw, Diaz. I, Nate I, Diaz. I saw the. I know. Highlight. I can't even get the Diaz brother right. Nate so, Diaz versus Jake Paul. To me, the biggest takeaway was there is obviously a, 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 a portion of the UFC fighters that just never got true boxing technical stuff down from Paul's perspective. The one thing that as much as people rightfully so in a lot of ways want to point a finger and call him out and say, you you know, you just don't, you're not the boxer you think you are and your, your opponents really, you know, are, are suck. He has learned the sweet science enough to where yeah, he's he, solid. he understands how to fight. Now, is he a professional fighter worthy of fighting against top prospects and, and top ranked guys in boxing? I don't think so, but I think the combination of who you're fighting and the fact that you've worked enough to understand the fight game, he has want, an advantage. I, I just want to watch him fight someone that's not a dinosaur, washed-up UFC fighter or another right. YouTube star. But I, you know like what I'd like to see? Nate Diaz, Anderson Silva. Like, fight someone that, like, matters. He did, and then he lost. 
Yeah, like he's fought one professional boxer. Yeah, and he lost. Like, <laughs> I just don't. I'll but tell fellas, you this. Here's the other thing: take the gloves off, put them in a cage against someone his own size that has like UFC experience, and see what he can do. Yeah, but that's not what he wants to do. He claims he's going to be a world champion by 2026. He can claim that all he wants. I'll tell you what, though. Of the Paul brothers that are going into different sports, Jake is not the one who's a superstar. I know I might be the only one in this room that watches it. Logan Paul, that dude can hang in the WWE. He is a bona fide superstar. So he's a great actor? Yeah, but he's a super athlete. Like, he's actually legitimately very good at that. So that excites you. I like the WWE. What's wrong with it? You going to get a t-shirt? Not a Logan Paul t-shirt. I still think it kind of sucks, but he's very good at it. You like wearing tights? I don't wear the tights. Okay. I thought tights... You don't like WWE? No. What's wrong with it? It's acting. It's fake. Yeah, duh. Okay, I don't understand the passion that people deliver towards wrestling when they they know how fake it is. Because it's just like... So this is like instead of going to a movie, you'd rather just watch WWE? Not instead of a movie, but like it's just like watching. But it's all reality. acting, right? Yeah, no, but I'm not like I'm just saying like mo- like movie ahead of like wrestling. But it's just it's just wrestling. Okay. Like it's just it's entertainment. It's world wrestling entertainment. It's not a serious thing. I'm not one of the people that think it's still real. Those people are lame. I'm Dumb. not a fan. It's like reality television. Jeremy and I watched. Oh, I know what you guys. Terrible reality television. Wrestling is the and same thing. And you get hooked into it. It's the same that thing. That whole Vanderpump thing that you guys yeah, watch. Yeah, we're still, me and my wife are still. Oh, weird. Uh, we got a start bench cut here from 12-9-6. Uh, Cleveland LeBron, Miami LeBron, LA LeBron. Which Cleveland LeBron? Well, I mean, I was thinking about that this morning and from, from the standpoint of a different discussion that I was having with some buddies, but Cleveland LeBron both times was really good. Cleveland LeBron carried a team early on to a finals that had no business being in the finals without LeBron James. He was single-handedly the reason why they were there, and then they got swept. But then Cleveland LeBron with Kyrie did what no one thought they could do, and they dethroned the Warriors when the Warriors were the best team in basketball. So Cleveland LeBron, to me, hands down, is the best LeBron because he had so much help in Miami, it's unbelievable. And now he's down. He's he's still good, but he's not nearly the player in L.A. Yeah, I think cut is easy L.A. LeBron. Yeah. I would start Miami because I think that even though he had obviously great talent around him, that's when he was at his absolute best. Like uh, he, he could do anything he wanted on the court. From any spot and dominate the game of basketball. It didn't matter if Wade and Bosch were out there. He was just he was so unstoppable. He was so good. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start Cleveland LeBron. I'm gonna sit Miami LeBron and I'm going to bench, throw out, cut. LA. LA. Yeah, LA LeBron's fine. Like he he's been an okay player. And he look, he's still been like a really great player at times. He's just not as consistently good as some of the other one. Uh, here's my question for Mailbag Monday from 4624. Is Jeremy at the Hollywood Rider Strike with a picket sign? No. No. I uh, think he might be at the local drive-thru with a picket sign because they're not serving his French fries right. Um, 8327, Joel, I don't think anybody actually believe it's real. LOL, come on now. What, the wrestling? Yeah. No, oh, but that's why if I, if I, I know I, I've known it's fake for a long time. Yeah, that's just- why I choose not to watch. It's just no different than, like, just television. Like, I think that, that's how I view it. It's just television. But a lot of people think that the, whether it's the reunion shows or the actual shows themselves as they're kind of playing out, that that's life. That's real. Oh, as I think, un, As opposed think, to scripted this is a good question. drama. Do you think more people think that the WWE is real or that, like, reality television is real? More people think reality TV is real. Yeah. 
I think I think people are like I think we're past the point where people think that WWE is scripted. Like everyone knows that, unless you're a kid, and that's almost like. Uh, I always hate doing this. It's like the red guy around Christmas. How many people, what people know about him? I'm always scared of like, who's listening. That's a good point. Like, I don't want Joel's kids to be listening and just like ruin their life. You have a kid too, by the way. I know, but he's only he, two. He's smart enough not to listen. Uh, yeah. My wife doesn't listen to me, so she doesn't care. Well, I don't um, mind either. <laughs> she doesn't like sports. They went to the 10 a.m. Barbie showing this morning. Oh, you got really? out of that one. Though. Oh, yes, I did. That's good for you. Yeah. But I think more people believe that like reality television is real and not scripted. Like more people believe the Jersey Shore was real than WWE. To echo that, more people were extremely, and I mean extremely upset when they found out Cheaters was scripted. People didn't think that that was scripted. No. Like, I knew people because of our TV crew for the Rockets that worked on that show, and then the new people that worked on that show. People looked forward to that cheater show and were just like, ooh. And then, like, you want to talk about spoiler alert, like, biggest bubble in the world burst? Yeah. Tell someone that watched cheaters and got into it that it was fake. They would fight you, and then when they found out we weren't lying, oh my God, it was devastating. The only shows I have, like, are, are I think there's the, the gray, there's like a blurred line. Is uh, the competition shows like Survivor? There's real money on the line. Yeah, I think they intentionally get them to keep certain like villains on the show longer. But there is a certain point on Survivor where it's it's not scripted. I think that's right because like you have like unless they're scripting who gets the money, which I don't think they're doing. I don't think so either. I, I just think they they kind of force you to keep certain bad guys on the show so the show stays stays better yeah like yeah i mean the one guy that always comes to mind on survivor is richard oh yeah but they wanted him around because he was great tv he was must see tv if you were a survivor fan kind of like the real world when puck went Loved puck it. yeah puck is an all-time villain i think puck had a lot of scripting where they chose the most villain-esque things that he did and used them in a montage just to make him look like the dude that everybody loved to hate. Yeah. All right. The Hall of Fame inductions were this weekend. CBS Sports says Andre Johnson is the number one player that's not in the Hall of Fame that should be in the Hall of Fame. What's your ETA for an Andre Johnson Hall of Fame arrival? That's next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville is just telling Joe, go to 975hair.com. You can find out all the information to do what you didn't think was possible. Get your hair back, and it is your own hair. It is not the sprays and the creams and the foams that only mask the problem. You don't have to sit there and have a hard conversation with yourself about, do I shave my head? Do I get a rug? Do I try and cover it up? What do I do? You get your hair back by using your own hair. Genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. It's a fact. I've seen the studies. I know the, the, where the progress has been made, and I know how it works. At the same time, Doc Linville's office is not only explain that kind of stuff to you, but they're going to explain how they can take that hair that's never going to go away, take some of it and put it where you need it most. Maybe it's up on top. Maybe it's in the front on your hairline. But the bottom line is it's going to be your own hair. You're going to get it back. It's going to grow and get stronger and longer. And eventually, it is going to be with you for the long haul. And 95 to 99% of the follicles that they move are going to stay and, and grow. They're not going to go away. And that's what really won me over. That's why I did it. And you can too. As, an, as a listener to ESPN 97.5, you get a free consultation with Doc Linville and his staff. It normally costs 150 bucks. You get it free, and you can make a no-obligation decision on whether you think it's right for you. 
All you got to do is go to 975hair.com, sign up for the appointment, ask questions, get answers, talk to Doc Linville's office, and find out if you're the next in line to really reap the benefits of the Neograph procedure. I know he's the best in the business. I had him do my procedure. Could not be happier. You should check it out and see if you might be right to do it, too. Tell him I sent you by because I can't stop telling everybody about how great his office is and the job they did. Go to 975hair.com. ESPN 975.com. Take his pork chop. I don't want his pork chop. I want his life. You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George filling in for Jeremy Branham alongside Joel Blank. John Bellmer behind the glass with us today. You guys can find us on Twitter at Pac-Man Joel, at Joe George Radio, at Third Coast Johnny. So the Hall of Fame inductions were this weekend, Joel. Indeed. Um, and rodents were in the, in the area. Andre Johnson. Jesus Christ. Uh, Andre Johnson. Uh, huh? You religious guy? No. Oh, okay. Not really. Right. Um, uh, one, of, one of our leftover mailbag Monday came in late here. Shipley's or Krispy Kreme? What a stupid question. Answer it. Shipley's. Oh, no question, Shipley's. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, Krispy Kreme's like, it's like great when it's hot and fresh. Shipley's is like Whataburger. It's a Texas tradition, right? Yeah. Shipley's is awesome. And then you're going to get the East Coast clowns that want to get Dunkin' Donuts in the mix. It's not good. It used to, like... It's not the same. Those same honks also want Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the mix, which isn't even close to me. No, I, I used to have Dunkin' Donuts all the time. I swear it's... But I haven't had it since I moved to Texas. I probably had it like once or twice. It's always Shipley's for me. Um, so the Hall of Fame was this weekend. Andre Johnson obviously will be eligible again next year. Do you think next year is the year that Andre gets in? I haven't looked at the class... So the big names for obviously Reggie Wayne, Tori Holt are still on there. Devin Hester will be in for consideration. CBS Sports did their top twenty players that are not in that should get in. He was number one. Uh, Tori Holt was two. Ken Anderson was three. Four was Reggie Wayne, and then five was Demarcus Ware. Ken Anderson, the former Bengals quarterback. Yeah, I was shocked that uh, was it the Bengals uh, defensive back that got it. Ken Riley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he had never made an all-pro team, but he was one of the most highly regarded defensive backs for years. So, And we know that there's a, so much so much that goes into this that's political and that the fact these writers have to get into a room and one has to nominate the player so and then the rest of the writers have to attack them until, you know, someone decides who won and if they get in. I think Andre's due to get in. I think it's kind of like it, it's, a, it's a loftier, better credentialed Eli Manning discussion that's going to happen at some point. Yeah, where it's a pass-happy league now. More receivers are going to get in. But when you look at, on the flip side of that, when you don't have great quarterbacks for the majority of your career, yet you're able to excel to the level he did. Yeah, he should be in. Yeah, you can't hold against him. It's the touchdown. That numbers. he didn't have quarterback, and he did his teams didn't you know achieve more. He still did his job at a very, very high level where he was constantly being singled out for his accomplishments by the rest of the league. He should get in. Uh, biggest names next year. I think there's three guys that are surefire. To get in. Uh, Julius Peppers, number one, Hall of Famer, no question about it. Is that because he's a bear? He, I don't... He's not a bear. I mean, I, I, mean, I guess he is. He's a Packer, like, too. Yeah, I guess. Played great with the He's Packers. a Panther. Yeah, he played great for the Bears and the Packers. Like, he had a really awesome career. Didn't the Texans um, pass on him? Yeah, they did. Yeah. For... I don't remember who. 
David Carr? I think. Mm, yeah, David Carr. Was it? Yeah, was it? Because I saw an art, I read an article recently where they said, what if the Texans had passed on whoever they were going to take to take Julius Peppers? Would, yeah. it, would it have ended differently? I don't know that it would have. No, I, I think you're still, I mean, he he's still in the Hall of Fame player. It doesn't change the Texans franchise, I think, that much, you know, as an expansion team. Uh, Antonio Gates, Hall of Famer. No doubt. Absolutely. Yep. Haloti Nada. I think we'll get in. I don't know if he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he was always one of the best interior defensive linemen Great run stopper, yeah. in the NFL. Uh, this is a name, and this came through on the text line too. There's a running back here, drafted in 2008 by the Kansas City Chiefs. He has five 1,000-yard seasons, only one-year double-digit touchdowns. I would not consider Jamal Charles a Hall of Famer. Oh, me either. But Me either. there is an argument because I think Terrell Davis changed everything. Like Terrell yeah, Davis but, getting in, like Jamal Charles at his peak. But Terrell, Terrell Davis, Davis won uh, won a Super Bowl, and he had what the two thousand right. yard season. I mean, he had you know he did it with a team. He did it with some individual numbers that were really, really like recognizable. Jamal Charles to me was an above average player for a couple of years. Jamal Charles isn't a Hall of Fame player. Like the bigger thing to me is when you get down to it, and Dre brought it up on the Twitch that he believes that Holt and Wayne should get in before Andre. I don't think that's fair to just say that because Holt and Wayne were the product of a pass-happy NFL where you had Peyton Manning throwing you the football, whereas I think that Andre was kind of a, ro- a, cro- a crossover. He was still kind of old-schoolish offense till he got to more pass-happy, but overall you also he also didn't have the same kind of repertoire around him that the, that the Colts did, that Holt, guys like Holt did and, and, and the guys he's, he's throwing out there, Reggie Wayne. I think Andre is every bit what if I, you put Andre with Peyton Manning, I think Andre's better statistically than those guys. Here's my I don't know if this is fair because I think both those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. I think but, all three will be. But the reason why to me Andre Johnson gets in before Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne is there is no argument that Andre Johnson was always the best player on his team on offense. That's true. Reggie Wayne will be the fourth Colt to get in. Of that offense. Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, and Edgerton James are already Hall of Famers. Yep, yep. Now, I think Torrey Holt was better than Isaac Bruce at times, but Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce are already in the Hall of Fame. So, like, he's the fourth guy on that offense from the greatest show on turf to potentially get in. During the best Peyton Manning years, Reggie Wayne is the fourth guy to already get in. And I think that's a lot of the argument against those two guys. Andre Johnson was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He just doesn't have the touchdowns. And, and, that, and that's what and, I think and again, kills him. I think that's a product of the, the quarterback and the system. Absolutely. More, more than it should be a knock on him. I think it's unfair to knock him for something that, in a lot of ways, is out of his control. But what he could control, he did. He got open. He caught the football. He put up great seasons. He had the respect of his peers and the coaches and the general managers in the league. And he did a lot of great things. And again, he didn't overpass it on every play like the Colts were doing when Manning was just slinging it all over the yard and he had all these guys that were burners getting open where he could just chuck it and duck and, 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 and you know, connect again and again and again. Like I said, I think all three are worthy of getting in, and they all will. But I think Andre had more obstacles to deal with to do what he did. And yeah, I'm a little biased because I'm in Houston too, but I believe Andre Johnson deserves to be in. To me, I think, if I had to like put him in order, I think I think Andre should be at the top of the list. Yeah, I'm Andre Tory then Reggie. And then Tory Holt. And then because yeah. Reggie played second fiddle in his entire time, 
to Marvin Harrison too. I, I just I think I think Reggie Wayne's third. I know I'm bad for I I know I'm accused often of having bad takes. So maybe this will earn them. Live in like stripes. I'll add this one to the list. I'd have Steve Smith and Hans Ward ahead of Reggie Wayne. So and both those guys are eligible. I guess I'm probably in the minority. Well, the of argument that. in your like in I think your both defense, those guys are better is- than him. Both guys were the man on their team. I think Steve Smith Jr. is like one of the most underappreciated receivers we've had in the NFL. You know why? He's 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 my size. No, no, you know why? Because he's an a hole. Oh yeah, for sure. And then Heinz Ward. I think Heinz Ward was better than Reggie Wayne. A hole hurts him. Oh, it definitely does. Because when you, you have that rep, look at Terrell Owens. Because Terrell you Owens, to... you can't, how do you argue with the statistic ability, his statistics and ability wise? Terrell Owens should have been in unanimous, maybe unanimously. That's when the he Hall was of held Fame out because he's luster. an a hole. That's when the Hall of Fame lost its luster because. The fact that they put T.O. in not the first time is an absolute total joke. Yep. And the only reason why he wasn't in was because of the old white writers in the room that didn't like T.O. And there is absolutely no denying that that's a fact. The only reason why he didn't get in was because he did sit-ups in his driveway. And, yeah. like, it's an absolute joke. All right, here's Joel Blank. I am Joe George. Coming up next, are you less stressed about the Astros' depth with the way Jordan Alvarez is playing already. That's next here on The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5. Home. Damn it, Leroy. Leroy, you were just stupid. At least I have chicken.